Winston just wiped his nose on me like, hello, good morning, I'm here. <laughs> Hi. Jeffrey Bezos. No. This, uh, so we have like we sit here uh, because we stream this and there's just like a couple minutes where we Banter. just start talking about nothing. I was singing a song. Yes. Well, that's like you've been singing that song he for several been days. been singing the same song for several days. Then there was a non sequitur to, hey, when does New World how... come out? And then I, <laughs> I was like, what if I name my character Jeffrey Bezos? <laughs> yes, we were talking about Amazon and, and that's how Jeffrey Bezos came up. Yeah. So yes. And then also shout out to Bo Burnham for that song that will never, um, never not be good. Not, never not be sung in it's this house. It's brilliant. It's just, it's just. <laughs> well, it helps that your name is Jeff also. So yes, then I'm does. just like, come on, Jeffrey. It naturally comes it. into the brain. Yeah, no, for sure. It does. Yes. Uh, so are we keeping this in here or are we starting? Hello. Hello. <laughs> How is it going? It's going great. I have this book that I want to oh not hesitate to show. We have off, to show this off, uh, which is amazing. So, as we said before, Jeff's birthday was last week, and um, Harmony Bells, yes, and Dabby Do, Jerry and David were kind enough to send Jeff this lovely, beautiful, gorgeous birthday present Sorry. of it's uh, the first book of Harry Potter. But and it's the designed and illustrated by Mina Lema, and this was one of their more recent. I actually was following the development of this book on Instagram because they'd post little things. But there's like pop ups and pull outs. So this is Diagon Alley that Jeff is showing, and there's like all sorts of interactive paper based activities in here, isn't well, it? Thank yeah, you so much. it's so beautiful. It's amazing. It's it is amazing. It has a really nice feel. There's the a Harry cover. Potter letter in there. Very, very nice. Um, there's also one I saw. I was skimming through. There's one with um, the fat lady, and it's like classic pop-up book or picture book where you can like move the eyes, and so the eyes are just going like back and forth, left to right. So <laughs> super, super. It's amazing. So thank you, Jerry and David. When I first opened it, uh huh. As you know, I love books very much, so yeah. I'm like, kind of. <laughs> looking at it before I had even unwrap fully undone the the plastic wrap, and yeah. I was like, "Oh no, is there like something wrong with it?" And Lynette was like, "I think it's a pop up book." Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. "Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's a pop up book!" And then yeah, I was like, "You ah. can see like there's like little yeah, there's gaps, gaps like, in the page." Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, "Oh no, like what happened?" But then I, yeah, it, my brain was having difficulty processing it because I'm like, "That isn't really a thing that happens to books. It doesn't make any sense for the pages to mm -hmm. open like that." And then I was like. It's a pop-up book. Yeah. It's it's so amazing. It's amazing. Great, great gift. Better than the gift I gave, which was nothing. <laughs> well, it's an air fryer <laughs> to be. To be, to be uh, purchased. I, I'm still, I'm still comparison shopping. The right one. I got to get the right one. The right size is really important to me. There are many things to know about air fryers, apparently. There are a significant variety. There's of them. a lot that apparently that well, I mean, Google has all the information and in everyone's perspective ever. So like there's a lot of, you know, mismatch between what people advise and then the marketing pictures for buying air fryers. Yeah, agreed. Like, yes. So what? like I tend to go off Amazon like or like off wherever I'm like not those reviews. Like I want to mm -hmm. I want like a blog. So I've looked at a few blogs. Yeah. Because do any of your cooking, your chef people use air fryers? Do they have Jacques hash Papin? hashtag sponsorships or I recommendations? Don't think so. Okay. <laughs> there was a long time where Marco Pierre White, who is quite a famous chef, was sponsored by, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to not remember, but it's basically a stock company. 
Okay. And all of these videos of him from like the mid nineties <laughs> making recipes and always add oh Norse stockpot. Nor Nors. K- oh Norris. Yeah. He was sponsored by them. And so like every recipe, it was like beef stock or chicken bouillon. Yeah. It was like, why are you holding it like this? Yeah. Just kidding. He has such an interest. If 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 you're ever like gonna get in you're going to test the waters on watching professional mm. chef YouTube videos. I would watch Marco Pierre White. Yeah. Because he's just, although Jacques Pepin is also very, they're very Zen. They have mm-hmm. like a, a very direct, you can just sense the knowledge. It just oozes off of them. The mm. ease with which they do this stuff. It's like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I've just followed actually after I roasted the chicken, not this one that I just did, but the one before we, then we used the left overs to make like a pastryless chicken pot pie so it's like yeah. a chicken pot pie soup essentially mm-hmm. and i though we've made that soup before i came into my mind to use rest uh leftovers because of jacques papan and Papin. mine did not turn out as good as his well you I know can, practice you have to practice i do practice <laughs> <laughs> But not 70 years. I was watching an interview with him. I was just like, it's a YouTuber. So it's like a millennial or Gen Z host. They're talking like they're talking about it's oh, it's all the knife skills. So they're cutting all these different things. And at some point, the YouTuber just like stops and just watches him. Like at first, it's like, oh, kind of a not a competitive, but like I'm going to show my stuff. And then at some point, they're like, and when did you start? And he was like, "Mm." I was 14. It was 71 years ago. <laughs> and the guy's like, okay. Oh my gosh. Welcome to the cooking podcast here. Well, you know, it's the, the intro. You never know. Yeah. That's um, what makes it good. That's what makes a good intro. Okay. Hmm? Conan O'Brien. Uh, even though summer is ending, officially mm. ending, I guess. I don't know. I don't know the official end date of summer. I am excited for fall TV back in the swing. So we've been watching The Circle which on Netflix, um, it's been chunking out like four episodes a week mm. until the finale where it's just like one episode. And then I was scrolling through. Actually, I've seen ads for this because sometimes I watch, sometimes we watch Hulu because it's part of our Spotify package. Yep. And we usually watch Family Guy only. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we haven't mm-hmm. explored. Although th- that Britney documentary we watched mm. on Hulu. Um, but yep. This this thing kept popping up and it's called Only Murders in the Building and it it caught my eye because Selena Gomez is in it alongside Steve Martin and Martin Short which I was just like what could this possibly be yeah. I don't I don't know yeah. why you three humans would be together but no, it's great <laughs> it's a great show it's, it's really good it's kind of structured like a um, Who Done It Murder Mystery as a TV series, but I love the way it's framed because basically the three of them are obsessed with this true crime podcast, and there's a murder that happens in their building, like literally, and so like each episode is framed by like they just decided to start this podcast. Well, actually, no, Martin Short pushed the other two to start this podcast, and so now they're like actually doing this true crime podcast about a murder that happened in their building. It's it's really funny. Well, not really funny. There's like funny moments. It's kind yeah. of like I don't know. It's a great show. I don't know how to describe it. And one the of the executive thing. producers is the same person for This Is Us as well. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. The whole thing it's is kind of oscillates in this funny way between comedy and 
actual drama. Like there's yeah. some, there is a deep, it's an actual murder. So like there, and then there's like deep, like emotional desire. I, I got love... the most chills when we finished episode one. Yeah. There's a reveal at the end of yeah. episode one. And I was just, I could feel it. It was just like <laughs> flowing down my back. And I was like, we got to watch episode two. Yeah. I love, yeah. So it, it reminds me a little of Knives Out because like the way that you tell stories and the way you reveal things, like it's very different to have development of a, so now this is turning into a only murders in the building <laughs> review <laughs> um, where you just like reveal, you know, a lot of stuff is like, especially with movies, although this is a TV show, the nice thing about TV is that you get the depth of a character. Slower. And so like, it's not just in this moment, you have just what's happening, you're you're doing callbacks, and then like your initial impression of the characters still maintain true, but then they get like, um, more complex, which is actually it's common for like, or similar to a great book as well, like mm. the way that characters, like become complex, even though you kind of just meet them. Well, they actually had an in one of the episodes they were talking about layers of an onion and i feel yeah. that okay but it's it's layering yeah is, well yeah. that's the difference between knives out and this show i mean mm -hmm. obviously mm -hmm. they have different tones somewhat too yeah. but but they're both murder mysteries but in knives out you have to like it's iceberg all the way where it's like yeah you have to care you have to caricature everyone so that you get a sense of who they actually are yeah but in here it's like they just layer layer layer, layer. so if you like this is us i would mm. i would say because it's a it's a similar structure i feel like and so it's not surprising because the guy mm. who made this is us is like involved in this so um let's shall we and we've spent like 10 minutes oh talking my gosh about i don't have my one it's right there i see it i see it i see it i i can get it oh no okay it's okay Jeff has a wand. It's, it's you can fake. do magic without a wand. Okay, yeah, wands ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, turn to page fifty. Weasley's wizard wheezes. Uh -huh. Today's lesson is called "When Harry Met Bill and Charlie." <laughs> the chapter begins with Harry popping out of the fireplace and into the burrow. Fred and George ask research questions about their tongue tongue toffee as Mr. Weasley arrives and lectures them on muggle-wizard relations. Harry meets Bill and Charlie, and Mrs. Weasley insists that the twins' work on joke magic should stop. Harry reconnects with Ron, Hermione, and Ginny, and they see Percy working away at his new job at the ministry, begging for quiet. Life at the burrow is crowded but comfortable. Enough that Harry essentially forgets about his scar hurting and his letter to Sirius. The Quidditch World Cup looms, as does some other event that Percy drops hints about. Mm. Um, what is the name of the Shire? I was like, because I saw like okay. the burrows and I was like, oh, wait. The, oh, yeah. The, the I, typo, I but, made a typo. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, oh, wait, is that the, what is the Lord of the Rings thing? The Shire. Mm. Never mind. Ignore me. Anyway. Bag end. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I there were a lot of like I love being with the Weasleys because yeah. there's so many of them yeah. and they're all like they're all their full personalities. Yep. It I kind of wondered like where how do you I mean I guess you can like write about things that you don't have personal experience with, 
but it's just it made me wonder about like jk rowling's family <laughs> or mm. just like who she's had interactions with like did she yeah, know someone like the weasleys the or whatever family or something yeah mm -hmm. because there, that's a lot of people to keep track of and then uh stay like authentic to their like who they are with well, what's critical wavering. is the relationships and that's mm -hmm. why it becomes mo so complicated to have a big family like this because yeah. It's interesting, too, because in essence, like we just left the Dursleys, which are a smaller family, but their dynamic is very, fairly simple, <laughs> it's right? So it's boring. 3v1. Yeah. And in here, it's like much more complicated, mm -hmm. much more interesting. Yeah. Like, I love this idea. Um, Harry's inner monologue when he meets Bill. Yes. I've always enjoyed so much. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. That's why I came in and I was I was just double checking. I was like, Bill's the oldest, right? Mm. Because I could imagine like so there there's this like subtle to me. This is just my interpretation, like a subtle nod to being like, oh, well, you know, firstborn children are probably like me sticks in the mud, not sticks in the mud, but just like all on top of like, <laughs> cool. I need to like be in charge or do all mm. this stuff or whatever. Um and it's, he was not like that. Yeah, it was interesting that because he was thinking that Bill would be like Percy, mm. who is very much that um, stick in the mud for a yes, lot of yes, yes, a yes, lot yes. of things, or just just takes himself very seriously. Yes, and then meeting yes. Bill, which is like basically the complete opposite, yeah. and is just because um, it. I also was like, wait, I guess they didn't meet Charlie. They were just like talking about Charlie when they when they did the whole it was a letter. Norbert thing. I think they got a letter from him mm, about how yeah. they're picking up the dragon or whatever. Yeah. So the first time that I I like the title when Harry met Bill and Charlie. <laughs> I wanted to do an alliterative title with W, but I just couldn't get there. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Like, it works out. <laughs> then I was like, hey, Harry met Bill and Charlie. And I was like, hey. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Charlie too is also fun. Like it's interesting. I noted in my mind this time around uh book Fred and George are supposed to be short. <laughs> because Harry says that Ron, Percy, and Bill are tall and lanky. Yes. Charlie Fred and George are short and stockier. Well, I wonder, because I, mean, I also had a reaction to that too, and I was like, oh, well, it's not the twins in the movie. Yeah, they're the actors are quite tall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also wrote that exact quote down in mm. my notes. Bill was, there was no other way to say it, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the earring with the fang, which yeah. later on Molly's just kind of like, blah, 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 why are you wearing that? Do they I'm, take you seriously? I'm pretty sure... That that earring gets a th callback oh, yeah? later in the book. Yeah. Ooh, I'm pretty with, sure. With Fleur. With Fleur. Oh, <laughs> I, I think it's the I think it's the the earring. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Exciting. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of okay, so basically we get to the burrow. Everyone mm. gets to the burrow. Mm. Arthur comes in and he's just like, he's livid. He's yeah. like, how, why, how? Yeah. And there's like, it's much more than uh just you're you're bringing your chaos to um other people but it's specifically he said something about like i spent like so much of my time yeah. um advocating for you know or against the mistreatment of muggle yeah. like yeah, he takes right. it in a very serious yes, direction and they're kind of like that's not it at all and we're just it doesn't you know? have to do with him being a muggle it has to do with him being a jerk <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and then and uh, also it was just like that classic like 
I didn't give it to him. Yeah, no, that part I'm just like, okay, okay, buddy. Mm-hmm. You you knew what was happening. You you knew what you were doing. But then Molly, Molly's there, but and then Dudley you're does. just like, he needs a little bit of responsibility. Dudley does. If somebody drops candy on my floor, I'm not gonna pick it up and just pop it. In I, there. I would. <laughs> would Would you pick up the candy and eat it? I would. It looks like a normal little toffee. Yeah. I. Why would I think? Although, just even though they're like terrified of these wizards, they're yeah. they're just gonna eat the candy. I don't know. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah. So Molly's also there, and she's kind of like, "Oh, what's?" Because basically, Arthur was trying to make an empty threat. Yes. And Molly is actually there. Yes. And because he, he's it like, "I'm going to tell your mother." And tell all this me stuff. what? And yeah. <laughs> oh, hello, Harry, dear. Tell me what? <laughs> and then, and then Hermione's trying to like give a subtle hint to Ron, being like, "Hey, uh, Ron, why don't you show Harry <laughs> where he's sleeping?" And Ron just oblivious is like. He knows where he's sleeping. It's just all of those little one-line dynamics are so fun. There's also, yes, that 100%. There's also something knowing we live right now, this book, Mm -hmm. this scene Mm -hmm. exists in this moment in time where because we know all this stuff that comes after, it's like, this is the Weasley family in this perfect little bubble. And even though they're having all these disputes, it's like that thing with in the office. Mm-hmm. Of like, I wish somebody could have told me what were the good old days. And yeah. like, this is one of those. I'm sure every member of that family would look <laughs> back at this weekend and be like, yeah, this was amazing. Everyone is here. Everyone is happy. Everyone is healthy. Yeah. All these things haven't transpired that are about to. It's very interesting because Harry kind of alludes to that. Well, I don't think he knows, but like through Harry, it's kind of alluded because he's just like taking it all in. He has the contrast that they don't. Yes. And they're about to have that contrast. Unfortunately for them, it comes after this moment instead of before. Because there's something like you gain, we as readers, I think, have an opportunity because we're rereading this. Mm-hmm. We gain the, the perspective of like, look at the pettiness. Look at <laughs> some of the pettiness, right? From Fred and George sending Percy dragon poop in his office. Yeah. They all give him a hard time. But yeah. he is also petty about his work when he should be enjoying. He will have a reckoning <laughs> involving he should have spent more time with his family. Yeah. And then even even something more simple like Molly worrying about Fred and George not understanding what the future could hold for them and yeah. not recognizing like that is such a beautiful relationship at this moment because it's so realistic. You can see where she's coming from, mm-hmm. but she's misunderstanding. She's she isn't. It's not possible to have a full understanding of people, even if you're related to them. So she's misunderstanding why they're pursuing this thing and what value could be in there. Well, part of it is interesting. Like, it's so, so complicated. So there's like little lines in there. They didn't get as many OWLs as she expected. There's like all sorts of stuff 
related to, and this is in many stories and many real life experiences when like famous people talk about their relationship with what they try to pursue. Many famous people in the entertainment industry, when they talk about their experiences with uh, wanting to pursue something, but trying to navigate their own parents' expectations for what they think they should be doing. And it comes from a well-meaning place where it's like, well, this is like a, you know, good paying job. It's stable. It's like, and you're smart enough to do it. Like, I see that potential. Yeah. But what you don't see, this is like the kind of contradiction, not contradiction, the tension between generations is what you don't see is what from our positionality, I'm going to group us and say that we're going to Hogwarts with them, that they have something that doesn't exist yet or not necessarily in a way that they could bring to life because I mentioned last week about the entrepreneurship and stuff that is not already you know laid out like this is a pathway for you which is all I'm not all but a lot of the OWL stuff is there I would imagine at Hogwarts people would be like oh well you could be x profession or this profession Mm. like it's not that people are going to be like yeah you could just be a small business owner and create something that didn't exist before you know so there's there's a lot of tension with wanting the best for your children but also like there's a lot of complicated stuff there because they are actually using their strengths and their knowledge and their you know their smarts and all of that there is there at least I think culturally, we understand that there tends to be a generational conflict and what that conflict between loving, Mm -hmm. in loving relationships and what that conflict often looks like to me is risk aversion versus Mm -hmm. passion. Mm -hmm. So you have somebody, the younger person, Fred and George in this conversation who have a passion Mm -hmm. and that passion uh, doesn't have an obvious path as you're talking about yeah and therefore it comes in conflict with somebody who says but there are these existing pathways just do these Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it causes a lot of strife because people really go through this process where it's like well I I Think about how many people regret something about like, I should have done this or I should have done it earlier or what, mm-hmm. what have you. Mm-hmm. And like most of the time, it's because the person chooses the risk averse path mm-hmm. instead of following the passion. Yeah. And it's interesting because so the thing I kept thinking about related to this is that so they are inventing all these things like they are literally inventing them. Yeah. But like the Weasley family is so large, like. They, you have people who work in the ministry. Like, why don't you, like, you know, uh, consult them and be like, okay, we want to do these things. How can we do it so it's like not entirely illegal or how, mm. how we can mitigate r- risk or something like that? Even though they probably don't because they, I mean, they probably wouldn't get any, like, it, you have to be on board if you're going to have a collaborative sort of like consulting type experience like that. But I think that the Weasleys could just like create, they have enough people and enough like, People, they are within their family. They're so different that they mm. could just have this whole operation and be like one of the top wizarding families. Although we do know the Weasleys also, and their like their demeanor is not that that sort of. They're way. Midwestern. Yeah, I mean they're very they're like live and let live. I'm gonna 
live in the borough and we love each other and you're our neighbor and we like mm-hmm. you too, but you do you, right? It makes sense when we find out that they live near the love goods. Similar mm. <laughs> kind of live, well, <laughs> different type of live and let live, I think. Is it. But I, I would say like they're, the Weasleys are just so realistic. It is yeah. such a grounded family despite like the wizard magic like being involved it's such such an obvious it feels obvious it feels like oh yeah that is what the dad would say that is what the mom would say given what i know about them mm-hmm. like yeah <laughs> it, it, what's even amazing to me is like how pinpoint correct all of the weasley wizarding wheezes process goes Mm. We will follow this for a couple of years now. And like, there's all these developments in this book. There's huge developments (laughs) with funding and all of this. And like everything that happens, it's like, oh, yep. No, of course. (laughs) And like here, like they even, they, she, she drops in this chapter, the, the inventory list with prices. Mm -hmm. This is a serious, that's serious work. This is not casual. It wasn't just for fun. Yeah. Because Ron even says, we thought they just liked making noise. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. It's great. I well, love it. it. That's why it's so it's so interesting. And I think that, I mean, obviously we don't have kids. So, like, I don't, I don't know, like, I'm not far enough, like, or in that sort of mindset that would be closer to Molly than I'm, like, I'm closer to the sense making of Fred and George at this point. But for Molly... <laughs> to be thinking that they have no ambition like it's just so and I think that the the reason I brought up of like oh it's something that doesn't exist yet like that's the only reasonable explanation is that it's not or uh, not even that but like outside the realm of your lived experiences and knowledge so Molly probably doesn't know people who like started their own business and like what that sort of process is like or takes or anything like that so it's reasonable for her to think that the way that they are they are acting is not ambitious or that the fact that they actually I didn't even go to the the whole OWLs thing and mm. like what is that what is that supposed assessment actually saying that the twins didn't get as many OWLs like I I don't I don't know there's a lot there's a lot that mirrors or parallels our world obviously our existing world doesn't have to be just the wizarding world but it the that's what makes these stories so relatable well we are teachers yeah (laughs) and i think something that's true is there is a difficult to analyze or even i don't know there's a thing that's i'll call for lack of a better word fire like people have fire inner fires passions things that drive them and you can you can sense it when you're nearby if you're a teacher i think we're professionally trained if we're good if we're in tune with the larger mission of teaching maybe we have a sense of like what is it that really this person it's strengths based stuff it, but it's yeah. also passion based stuff so it's like what is going to fulfill them I think a research around this might be like eudaimonia, which is like a self-realization, self-actualization mm. type of thing. And 
with Fred and George, it's clear that they're they have a deep uh, drive. Mm-hmm. It's just not like always culturally welcome. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's like in school, their uh-huh. deep drive to entertain and subvert and kind yeah. of enjoy life mm-hmm. is is often set aside, like set juxtaposed with strictness or sadness. I mean, we even see, isn't it the first book? I believe it is when they do the funeral march. Yeah. And you, Dumbledore gets up and you said something in a magical theory episode from book one where you talked about you talked I, I feel like you talked about that and you or you talked about like who they are and like why it is potentially that they became those people mm. um within the context of their family. Uh. And yeah, I think it's I I yeah, this is this is a great chapter, especially to I mean, Fred and George are always there, but like they they grow like mm-hmm. in in the the way that the overall series um evolves. And it must be great. I wish I would have loved to hear their little because they're twins. It's e- not that it I mean, maybe easier is not the right word. But if you have another person who is like on board with your wild idea that yes. like I'm sure it was a lot of fun to try yep. to come up with the inventory list and prices and like have this vision right. and dream. Oh, Winnie's hair is Winnie hair. <laughs> um, of yeah. something that could be that you could have a partner in crime to come to life. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Other things. Uh. Percy. We haven't talked about Percy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the one hand, I feel bad for him that everyone's making fun of him. Um. And he's just he's just so into it. But on the other, like as someone who at some point in my life was very, very similar to Percy, just like obsessed with work and like all this stuff and being like, no, this is like, I'm going to put every fiber of my being into something like this and knowing that you can't sustain that. Um, it, I also feel for him where I'm just like, oh, man. Oh, yes. You, you got to chill out. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. He, like Fred and George, but for very different reasons, is like incredibly relatable. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's somebody who is trying to also stand out, but he does it. His approach is by the book. Yeah. He takes what is in front of him very seriously. He's going to mm-hmm. do this well, mm-hmm. very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to exceed expectations. Yeah. But then there's also this very... um the be- some of the baggage that comes along with it for him is he's extremely judgmental. Yes. Ev- you yeah. go through this chapter, uh, everything is about judgment. Yeah. Got to be faster than this person, Ludo Bagman. Of course, he's likable. Bertha Jorkins, <laughs> she's missing. Like, uh- Well, this is the hardest part about being a person uh, or <laughs> living in a society with- where people have different contributions to the world yeah. based on whether or not you're using your strengths or not like and so there's this inevitable like attempts of hierarchy because be, part of on both both directions of how other people view you and how you view your work and right. your contribution and how sometimes like especially if you feel like you are contributing like he's like obsessed with this cauldron yeah 
thing. And Ron's like just br- brushing it off like this right. isn't important. That's and That's then per- Percy explains like this is yep. what could happen, which is funny because I kept thinking about like government and like the whole sort of thing about like, oh, well, no one. Regulations. Well, nobody, yep. nobody or just like the sort of um, when government works, like it's hard to like just be like, yeah, you did it. Like it's right. more when you when it doesn't work, then you can point you at it and you notice. Yep. But like, yeah, can you imagine if so like. Yeah, if Percy didn't do any of this or wasn't part of this team to regulate this and then you had this like catastrophe, then so there's all this sort of stuff. Then you would have people pointing at the Ministry of Magic and being like, why can't you get your stuff together? It gets burned to death. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think exactly. I think it's the conflict between something being boring, but something being important, mm, mm-hmm. which is we live this conflict so much, <laughs> right? We like, yeah. Just because something is boring doesn't mean that it's not crucial, absolutely crucial. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get front page headlines. It has no PR service. Like it just is a yeah. thing that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And something like if you're going to have a functional society and it needs not, it's not just that one thing, it's millions of little things mm-hmm. that everyone does. It's the unsung hero. Right. And never going to get any attention unless something goes horribly wrong. And then they're like, well, oh, why did this building collapse? Yeah. You know, oh, you did something wrong. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, maybe we should celebrate like the everyday mundane things that we do to help each other out that don't get any sort of attention. Yeah. And And it's not that Percy needs like praise. It's just this sort of like the fact that other things get praised. I mean, Connecting it back to Fred and George, yeah, they're they are doing things that are that are not getting, I think, the recognition or appreciation that it deserves. Exactly, uh, and it, a lot of it is just listening. Mm-hmm. I'm certain that when they got called out and they had this book of mm-hmm. prices, they were like, "No, we're th- we're serious. We're going to go do this. We're mm-hmm. serious about the joke shop." And just like nobody really listens to Percy, mm-hmm. they have the bullet point of like oh you're working on the cauldron thing mm-hmm. it's like, well what is he doing like what is he actually doing nobody listens to him right yeah yeah i don't know maybe his dad i feel like at some point we hear like bill or somebody talking to him about it in a more serious way which mm-hmm. probably is fulfilling to him but yeah the way i read the exchange with bill and percy was more kind of like bill was being kind i i feel like he was being kind obviously more kind than ron <laughs> but but also probably because he is the oldest of just trying to kind of be like, oh, well, you know, I, I felt this sort of like wanting Percy to be like, just let it go for a second. It's OK. Mm-hmm. Like, come come join us, you know, <laughs> come come. We be have part some, of this. a couple of good comments about Percy moving yeah. forward. And I think I agree. I mean, he's not my favorite. Percy but I think a way of seeing <laughs> where he goes. Yeah is that he likely, if I'm going to try to put on my empathy at maximum, it's mm-hmm. that he likely thinks nobody in his family cares about him. Mm. Nobody cares. Yeah. So it's easy for him to sever the ties. I mean, it's not easy. It's easier. It's, it is yes. most likely for him to be the person that severs ties. Like, who cares? Nobody mm-hmm. cares about me anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm out of here. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because part of it is like thinking about you know, who Percy, I mean, we, we have, um, outside of this talked about 
I mean, everyone kind of, you know, nature, nurture, <laughs> mm. like that sort of thing of how much of Percy like being arrogant, like is just who he is or how he's always seen himself and how much is and it's not quantifiable. I'm just using that colloquially. Um, how much is like shaped by these relationships within his family that kind of leads him to be this way, just as Fred and George are the entertainers mm -hmm. of the family. And I imagine that, you know, of course, one is going to be more likable than the other because I am at even if Fred and George are serious, I don't think that they would, you know, cause a fuss about it. They would probably do it in private or laugh it off as a joke or something. Whereas Percy, Percy seems to be more sort of defense or his reaction would probably be more defensive and like, I don't know. Ego based. Yeah, ego based. Yeah. Whereas the twins, I feel like could navigate that in a different way that yes. make them seem more much more likable than the Percy. twins are really interesting because when we watch them it's like they're just gonna do it but they're mm -hmm. not gonna sacrifice anything they're gonna problem solve it mm -hmm. it's uh yeah they're very interesting but in the same at the same token of like fred and george leave school easily mm -hmm. somewhat easily right they drop out of school and why well could they not also think nobody here cares about us it doesn't matter None yeah. of these teachers actually, they don't even like us. Yeah. And we don't like this. Right. You know? And right. so there's these interesting parallels, even mm -hmm. though they're so different. I mean, they are they're really, really different. I, um, this is like a very minor thing, but something I was wondering is why, I don't know if this is like talked about later. Why is Percy living with the Weasleys? I don't think, is he? Is he living there? I think he is because they were like, oh, his bedroom. Unless, so I guess my question was like, why is he not, if he works at the ministry, right? Did he graduate already? Or yeah. Is he still, yeah. Why isn't he, why doesn't he have his own house? Well, he, he might. He like, might just be there because they're going to the to the thing. Right, right. But like Charlie doesn't live with them. Right. Bill doesn't live with them, I think. Doesn't Bill live in a different no, country? No, they don't live there. Yeah. That's why they have, right. they have Fred and George's bedroom. Yeah. And so I was, I mean, I guess this is Percy's first job, so I'm going to like- You may, you may slide, still be living there. It made me wonder if it was like Molly and Arthur that were like, oh no, you should stay with us, mm -hmm. or if it, or how that worked out, and if that also provides another source of tension for mm -hmm. Percy and his family, just in, I mean, living, living there as well, and- continuing on and being like okay i have a real job i'm doing some important things and then constantly getting sort of dismissed or ignored or whatever yeah. although i do wonder what i mean molly seems to think highly of percy i think so a, too a job yes. at the ministry well yes and molly's gonna be the one that takes it the hardest yes because they are somewhat close to each other it feels like they're quite close because he uh and she have something quite in common. Hmm. They have a kind of um, detail-oriented, like, mm -hmm. concern for what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's just, it's very tragic because it's super real. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's why this chapter is just so much, this whole book <laughs> is, like, this weird transitional thing where yeah. it's, like, yeah. Look at how lovely peace can be. Mm -hmm. Oops, you didn't know <laughs> how important that was. Yeah. So, oh, Molly does luck. love Harry very much. She does love Harry. <laughs> All the children. Yeah, I love the Weasleys. Not to mention, to put a button on this, 
it's fascinating to know what we know about what it is that brings that bridges the gap and then how tragic that moment actually is for Percy and the family and that it's one of the twins and like in their contrast and in their lives like when uh, okay spoilers Spoilers. When Fred dies, oh. Percy is there for the first time in a year plus. Uh, there's just, it's just. Uh, yeah, there's something very, uh, very real about it because it's it does doesn't care who these people are anymore. In this moment, you have such a clear perspective on what matters. And yes. it's like, oh, well, wow. You know, and of course, it's one of the twins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one one last note on Percy. So he works in the Department of Magical Co- or International Magical Cooperation, mm. which I was like, I know that department. I mean, I okay. So I when I when this came out in Wizards Unite, when this title or when this department came up in a title, oh, I, I was like, wait, what is this department? I don't know much about this department. Oh yeah, Percy worked there. So. Uh, Edward Scott, which Edward Scott. spoiler alert for Wizards Unite, we later found out was actually Gareth Greengrass in disguise. The title was Lead Liaison Minister, which makes right. no sense. <laughs> and also, I'm sorry, Hermione Granger, uh, if you are the Minister of Magic, actually. How do you yeah. not know who the ti- these people are? Like, it just... <laughs> I can't. I can't with this story. Well, to so, be fair, I don't think President Biden knows every staff member of the government. But you should know of the, the supposed liaison. It depends on if a lead liaison minister is actually the, like <laughs> near the top I'm, or not. But okay, no, but if it's the liaison like internationally, right. you would have to... Well, okay, I guess, but you would have to at least have like a roster of yeah. which I guess Gareth could also a falsify. <laughs> a roster of here are the important international business people you need to speak with. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but a Facebook... Uh-huh. was and maybe still is a congressional facebook and it used to be like pictures of, of all 435 congress oh, people. like my class restaurant mm-hmm. on canvas yeah <laughs> exactly the same yeah now facebook is something else <laughs> yeah lead liaison minister lead liaison minister i'm just gonna say great, it's probably a title. fake job i don't know mm. i don't know your liaison and a minister i don't know uh, we also got some names. You mentioned them: Ludo Bagman and mm. uh, Bertha, Bertha Jorkins. Mm. So well, missing for a month. Uh, so side note with Ludo Bagman: uh, we watched this. <laughs> we watched this YouTube uh, video. It was called oh, the yeah. Odd One Out. Or what was it called? Odd <laughs> One Out or something. Like that. Was, yeah. I don't know. I'll 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 look for it and post it on Discord. Um, but basically. It's like a group of humans and they're together. It's a social deduction game where you try to find the person who's trying to be an imposter for something. Mm. So whether it's like this one, the first one we watched was find the fake Harry Potter fan. Like yeah. you have six real Harry Potter fans and one who is a fake. Coached. Yeah, they're coached. They're not a real Harry Potter right. fan. One of the questions that they asked each other was who is Ludo Bagman? Like, do you remember mm-hmm. that? In like one of the rounds? Um and I don't remember who they asked, and I I think that they got it wrong. But to be honest, I probably would also get it wrong. I'd be like, I know this name. I know that they're important in some way. You're going to remember it after this because I of will this, the pacing of our reading. <laughs> yes. It. Yeah. One chapter at a time, I'll commit yeah. it to memory. <laughs> A big gambling. A bag, man. Holding the bag. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Bertha Jorkins is missing. So that's good. I love the thing where it's just like, oh, Ludo says she's been missing before. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like. She probably went to Australia, Arthur, not Albania. Yeah. What are you talking about? A month? I, um, yeah. I don't know. Nice that she can just take a month away from work, <laughs> I guess, without asking. As we know, I mean, just because you're an adult doesn't mean that, like, you know any better. <laughs> As yeah, we see over so, and over in apparate. these stories. <laughs> Pop in, be like, "Hey, still on vacation?" Nope, not Taking not possible. Month. Not possible. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, great chapter with the Weasleys. We're about to go. We're about to go to the Quidditch World Cup. I yeah, think. We are. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well. All right. Until next time. Wand. <laughs> Wand. Ready. Ready. <laughs>